Warning, the following podcast is designed to provoke thought, spark dialogue, educate, and entertain. The perspectives and language may trigger a range of emotions, from laughter to angst and possibly anger. We welcome your feedback, and thank you for listening. Welcome to the Bruz Bookshelf with your hosts, Lennon Givens, Dr. Harvey Hinton III, and Donovan Snipe. This week, we're going to be covering Tyra Westover's Educated. Hope you enjoy What y'all thought about this book? Pretty cool read. I, I kind of want to see... Uh, I don't know. She set us up for her reality show, I guess. Um, <laughs> you think she said... I don't think she set us up for a reality show because I, mean, I don't know... She I mean, could. I, she damn yeah. sure could. Like not, maybe not intentionally. The Westovers of Idaho. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know how her Mountain. life is currently. The you West know, Dover is she Princess Is she a professor? She's a you know, she's a doctor in history. Mm-hmm. I mean, d- does she teach somewhere? I don't and know. Like, thing, is she dog, dating? Like, like I, I wonder if she's teaching. Like, that we, right. that's another, one of the things we talk about in the academy all the time. That just because you have the skill set to research don't mean you can teach and I don't know exactly. well anyway can we just talk about how how the hell she even got to this point though like I think we just really cause she had no no real education like for real she had a grandmother who who kind of put it in the seat like her grandmother didn't want that life for her remember oh, that no. right. oh, but you know her brother Tony taught her how to read Tony taught her and, how to read and her mother used to take them to the library Mm-hmm. So she was reading, but she wasn't being educated. But she was reading. She wasn't being formally taught. But she was. She was always a reader. You know, when you read, you do learn some stuff. You do. Her dad was damn this semi mad scientist. <laughs> she talked about how he twist and he bend that equation, and right. he just came up with the answer. Yeah. She said, "How did you do it?" He said, "I don't know, but that's the answer." I'm talking about science, Sokotoa. She didn't know he. She didn't know the trick, but he did some kind of way. I think the other part about it too was like the fact that she had read the Bible, the Book of Mormon, and something else, and she did essays on that. Right, those were those were. If you think about the writing style of those books, like you're gonna get foundational English when you understand that, and I think that's where a lot of her writing comes from it's from reading those books mm-hmm. that style of writing the old 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 stuff or old white people stuff it ain't that old in real life but you know what i mean i think that she can possibly be a great teacher because of her humble beginnings when she went to school she went on a blake sheet of paper well that, i would i would disagree and that's the thing okay. like if you don't you're not a blank sheet of paper you are what you know mm-hmm and she knew nothing. Something. She knew a lot. She, yeah, she knew something. She didn't. No, know. She was delivering babies and shit. She knew yeah. some shit. She know I, how to, I'm talking about yeah. former education. Formal education for whom? Like what for is, whom? For like, what? What is the purpose of education? Because if you don't define a purpose, then how can you know if you're being educated at all? Right. Institutional structure. We know what you're talking about. Education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the we just, word. We'll we, we, it out. 
we we talk about you know I got this from Naeem Akbar and Asa Hillier and these African centered educational psychologists and stuff. I mean, when they do the etymology on the word, you know, we're talking about a word that means to bring forth that which is within. That's what education means. So it's never ever ever about imparting a particular curricular facts or figures that we the layman tends to think education is. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, it's the it's that's not it, you know. And I think what she illustrates is what happens when you give a person confidence. Well, although she had a lot of self doubt, she had a lot of confidence because she had done a lot of things. She had experiences that showed her what life was about and how how fragile life was. Um, I think she understood relationships and and all that kind of stuff. I think. Don, I, you, hold on, you got to have some type of confidence if you're going to school with all these people. New you got people, to, and you taking a shower once a week, and sometimes <laughs> optional. <laughs> Nasty. No, I thought white people had to get horny and shit, so they had to shower every day because they had to. Like, all the ones I went to school was like, yeah, I gotta wash this every day or once a week. She said, she said, soap was optional. <laughs> <laughs> they had they had to call they had to call a meeting together. Like, hold up, hold up. I like the way we're talking about this right now because I don't have the patience to go through chapter by chapter. Right? I no, just, I just don't. <laughs> and I think for the read for the listeners, y'all got to read this book. Like, it's, yeah, it's a very captivating story. Exactly. It's, it's very insightful. It hits on some it's, different uh, points. It, it, at times, it makes you angry. Uh, sometimes you get intrigued by the way she makes the words dance on the paper. Y'all, for her to not have a formal education until she was what? When she went to college, she was 17. 17. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the first time she walked into a classroom. For her not to have a formal education, man, she's a gifted writer. Yes. She has a, a true appreciation for how she made words dance on that page. She 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 mentions it late in the text when she's talking about being in school, how she had a professor who did not focus on grammar, but focus on her intent. That's an experience that many of us don't get right for a person to sit down and ask you, what do you mean? Why did you put that comma right there? What were you thinking? Yeah, that is a different orientation to grammar you know totally different writings you ever read like some Nikki Giovanni mm. the way they use their quotations in grammar is totally unconventional from what you learn in school and you know she was a beast when she went to Cambridge and the renowned professor at Cambridge when he came and told her he said look I've been working here for 30 years and this is probably one of the greatest essays I've ever read I mean, you got to think about how how fascinating information would be to her. Look at it that way, right? Mm-hmm. How fascinating and how conflicting it would be to, you know, she walked out of the cave, basically, right? You know, the, the allegory of the cave? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she walked yeah, out of it. Because you remember, like, when she was in the classroom, she uh, when she heard of slavery being taught the correct way. Her dad told her slavery in the colonial times, the slaves were happy. Slave owners had to take the the brunt of the burden because of the financial risk that they were taking. So when she went to school and she saw that photo of that guy with those whelps on his back, she was like, that's totally different from what I was taught. Let me learn more. Then a few weeks later, she saw 1963. She thought it was a typo. 
She was like, wouldn't they emancipate some proclamation in 1863? (laughs) Until she started looking at the photos and examining the photos and realized that, no, that's kind of... Yeah, that's a hundred years later. You know, why are they still fighting for freedom? Shouldn't they be free? Mm -hmm. I I remember when we was reading the Trevor Noah book, I I didn't mention this. I had a student that was from... um, from Liberia. Now, clearly on the other side of the continent, right? But if you know Liberia and Sierra Leone, they've had wars of recent years. And I, I didn't notice about Liberia. Like, Liberia doesn't have streets and street names and things like that. You know, it's just it's a very interesting place. You know, they don't have, like, addresses and things like that. Is Liberia where Gaddafi was from? No. No, that's Libya. Libya, Libya. okay. Liberia okay, okay. is where, where people from the United States went back and settled. Yeah. Um, okay. And so, anyway, so he wrote a paper, and this is how Tara. This is something I thought about when I was reading about Tara. He wrote a paper about Dr. King freeing the slaves. Okay. And when I was reading this paper, the first time he mentioned Dr. King leading the slave, freeing the slaves, I said, okay, maybe he was a typo. No, throughout the whole te- the whole paper, he kept saying that. So I pulled into my office and I said, yo, tell me about. Dr. King freeing the slaves like why did you think Dr. King freed the slaves he said because he led black people to freedom <laughs> I said damn <laughs> I mean, sort of I guess but I guess he's talking about in what way mental slavery yeah. so 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 again no he meant physical because he didn't know he wasn't they weren't taught our history Ooh. And so the word was the word. Maybe oh. that Christopher Columbus discovered America story. Right. That so like when I, I've taught a number of people from the continent of Africa, unless they were just bullshitting me because they were from different countries, I taught them a perspective of Africa that they didn't have. Hmm. And I introduced them to things in Africa that they didn't know about. And I've never stepped foot on Africa. I've never, you know what I'm saying? So, that edu- so when you start education... Most systems are to protect the interests of those who empower. That's the purpose of education, is to teach you how to handle power. And we don't get that. We don't learn how to handle power. We don't learn shit about power and control. We learn about permissions, you know, and permits and punishment. <laughs> we don't have them motherfuckers. <laughs> well, I mean, so, I guess further than that, like education is about the acculturation of children right. into the society like you know what the places are and then also know what your place is right and how can you function within the society dog tara's family had her fucked up in the head okay oh, that's where we gonna go <laughs> Yo, you're talking about a psychological effect and an emotional trauma that she experienced and you know i was so when I was reading the book, one thing that jumped out at me was her dad never protected her. Never. Her nope. her mother never protected her. Never. Mm-mm. Her dad never protected anybody. Well, yes, he did. He protected Sean. He protected Sean. The most abusive and Sean chicanery. Yeah. But that's it. I mean, like he didn't even protect Luke when Luke got his flesh taken off. Uh, well, hold on, who was that? Was that Luke that got his flesh his taken off his down? leg, off that 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 clamping machine? Yeah, and then then right after Luke goes in, he got a big chunk bit out of his leg. He tell Tyra, "Hey Tyra, come on and run this machine. Run the machine." He, he never yeah. got off the machine Cold. to go check on him. Fucking beat. 
But she she had a moment where she she flashes back, you know, at the end. She don't she can't she's questioning all of that. You know what I'm saying? She's but waking it sounded, it up. It sounded very real though. <laughs> Sean was abusive to her. He was abusive to Audrey. He was abusive to his his girlfriend, calling the other the, girlfriend the fish mm-hmm. eyes. You know, then the mom, I don't know what was up with the mom and dad. Well, I do know what was up with the mom and dad. Once Tara told the family that she wanted to go to college, she was no good to them. Uh-oh. Since Sean was staying around, they had to protect the ones who was going to stay around. Tony ended up moving back and working at the salvage yard and working for mom's Tinkress business. Uh-huh. Sean worked for the Tinkress business. And I believe Luke was there, too, with his lady. His wife. Yeah. yeah, everybody was dependent on them. Real quick, how they family exploited the people hatred for Obama. <laughs> We're not saying that if you hate Obama and you white, you you probably racist, but it's a strong possibility that you probably racist and don't even know it. Right. So mother was marking her products as a spiritual alternative to Obamacare. <laughs> and she was selling products as fast as she could make it, even with dozens of employees. <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> Crazy. Got rich. It got rich. Daddy, Daddy had built this like big off of Obama, ass. Off of anti-Obamacare cream. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I can take this cream. This was before CBD oil. <laughs> Free health insurance, but you know, I'm just gonna go ahead and pay for this salve from this white lady because I don't trust. You're nothing free. That's why they're trying to give it to you. They make it free. You don't want it. You don't want nothing for free. Anything free ain't no good for you. (laughs) Like this is okay. So I think the only people that left was Audrey, but Tyler and Tyra. Well, three of them. Three of them left and got PhDs. I remember she said that towards, you know, in the end, you know, like three of them got PhDs. Oh, yeah. Richard. And, Richard. You remember because daddy, I think dad was trying to rub Richard in right. her face like, oh, Richard's a genius. Right. <laughs> yeah. Did you know that Tyler went to Purdue? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's funny. And, and has a PhD right. in physics. So at Purdue, mm-hmm. Purdue is a land grant institution. And what I'd like to think is that land grant institutions um, were white man's affirmative action. That was the first, you know, handout for white people was was the the land grant institutions. What I mean by that is the first colleges were the high, you know, the Browns and the Harvards, and you really didn't have public education for the masses, and so that wasn't the norm. And so these states. In the feds, they got together and they say, we'll give you, if you set aside land for a school, it's got to be around mechanics and ROTC and farmery and agriculture, the mechanical stuff. So all land grants are mechanical schools, right? So at Purdue, the saying was, the men come to get BSs, MSs, and PhDs, and the women come to get MRS degrees, <laughs> yeah, you got it now, right? Exactly. <laughs> the women no. going to be teachers, and the men are going to be independent contractors. They coming there yeah. to find right. their husbands, right. exactly. They the rich husbands going somewhere to find their husbands, mm-hmm. man. You remember her dad said it, you had to go all around the world <laughs> to come back home and find your place mm-hmm. in yeah. the kitchen. Do wild boy, that dude wild man. 
He's so wild, man. He's a piece of work. Like, <laughs> when I saw the picture of him, I said, I can't believe this little, this little, man, I can't believe it's this little dude, man. All you need is a mind. If I can get in your head, I, I can get you to do anything. And so, like, head. one of the things that I remember, Lennon, when we first started reading the book, I didn't pay attention to what I was reading from the beginning. And when we first started reading mm-hmm. the book, for some strange reason, I was thinking she was Native American because she was describing her relationship to the land and the mountain. Her grandmother described like the mountains as a right, Apache prince. Right. And she called she called what's that Bucks Right, Bucks Pete, Pete and, the, and the Princess, yeah. right. And so, you know, that's where I thought this began. And I for some reason was thinking that this is about to be about uh, the Native American experience going through um the the Eurocentric educational system being taught a bunch of bullshit. That's that's what I was bracing myself for. And uh, when I'm starting to get introduced to this, she's a Mormon. What was sticking out to me was the survivalist and this, the the what I call um, the false doctrine of white supremacy. Like mm-hmm. it, it became very apparent to me what this was. And spoiler alert: the fact that she names her thesis, her dissertation. Anglo-European life from this period of time, that time period, dude, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that was it. Because the white manifesto, that belief that they have to survive, that man, that's why I ain't like The Walking Dead. That's why I ain't like Rick Grimes. You know? <laughs> it's, it's this whole notion that we gotta survive at any cost. That's racism. That's I the mean, core of racism. Well, yeah. Exactly. That's why it's a recurring theme in all literature of white people. Absolutely. Man versus nature. It's never man working with nature in harmony. Nature's trying to harm me, so I got to make sure I do what I need to do in order to survive. Even with that survivalist uh, theory and that survivalist mindset, you got to think. Let's say if it was the end of the world, right? Mm-hmm. And, most, and, and mostly everybody perished. When the end of the world came, it's just gonna be you and a few more a few more people. Is that any way to live? I mean, it worked for Noah. <laughs> 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 Dog, let me let, let me read this little part about some psychological trauma that she had outside her home. So she was dating this guy named Charles. Charles came over to the house. And Sean started beating her ass in front of everybody and taking her by her hair and dragging her in front of Charles because uh, Sean was drunken with power. After he did all this to Tyra, you didn't see what you thought you saw, I said. If someone had asked me, I'd have said Charles was the most important thing in the world to me, but he wasn't. And I would prove it to him. Now, what was important to me wasn't love or friendship but my ability to lie convincingly to myself, to -hmm. believe I was strong. I could never forgive Charles for knowing I wasn't. I became erratic, demanding, hostile. I devised a bizarre and ever-evolving rubric by which I measured his love for me. And when he failed to meet it, I became paranoid. I surrendered to rages, venting all my savage anger, every fearful resentment I ever felt towards Dad or Sean at him, his bewildered bystander who only ever helped me. We argued. I screamed that I never want to see him again. 
And I screamed it so many times that one night when I called to change my mind, like I always did, he wouldn't let me. Mm. Charles got fed up with her shit. Mm-hmm. She Definitely. purposely pushed him away. Mm-hmm. And she thought she can keep coming back. So, you know, psychologically, she was doing to her relationships what her brother kept doing to her. He would beat her ass, come back and then start talking gentle. Like he was extremely bipolar. He would, you know, be physical with her. Like that time he drug her out the car and he was dragging her by her feet and her pants was coming down and her shirt started rising over her head in the parking lot. He laughing at her titties. No, she started laughing hysterically, so people yeah. would think that they was just playing. That's that's yeah, because she because she has this she has this need to like she said she has to lie to herself and make herself believe. Basically, she has to separate separate herself from the reality of what's happening in order to. It was at one time when Tyler came home and Sean was beating her up, and he was like, "What's going on?" Mm-hmm. And she got upset because she was just about to pass out. Mom and dad act like they didn't see that. Oh, and, and I was God. thinking to myself, <laughs> how can you be a father of a young daughter, the youngest in the house, and sit there and allow your second oldest son beat her ass? Who who, who does that? Hmm. A Westover apparently, but both of the parents were in like some some. The parents, the, I think the parents also were kind of, they kind of also were suffering from that same disease. Tara was like where they. They can't face reality because even towards the end where they were telling the dad like what all the stuff Sean was no, doing. Like, it was, was the like, mom couldn't do it. The dad had changed the mom so much. Mm-hmm. She started changing throughout mm-hmm. the book. She was at first she was a little bit more defiant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember she was even helping Tyra lie so she can get the grant money for her financial aid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At times, you know, when Tyra was uh, changing her mind about going to school at she school high on the ACT, her mom was like, "No, I thought, you know, I was surprised when uh, when Tyler went, but I thought you was gonna be the one to go." So she encouraged Tyra to leave. As time started progressing, and as Tyra started staying away longer and longer, and it was just the mom and the dad. The mom started getting indoctrinated in the dad's teachings. And she started becoming more of a zombie, especially after that bad car mm-hmm. accident. Oh, <laughs> Speaking gosh, of car accidents, man. you remember that? You remember in the book where where Sean was on a motorcycle and he got into that bad motorcycle right. accident? Yeah. And she reached down and she felt his brains. Mm-hmm. That fool still didn't go to the hospital. This no. was after savage. he fell 12 feet on his head in the damn savage yard. Yeah. So we know nothing ain't working right up there. And he, oh. he the daddy brought it all back to the Lord the at the brother. end, though, right? <laughs> this nigga turned into a deity. So he brought it all back to the Lord. <laughs> no. uh, that was all the Lord's will. No. That's the only way you can look at it, I guess, though. No, that was like a Marvel comic scene when he blew up from that gas yeah. tank. Oh shit! And, what? No, I want to read that part. You seen Breaking Bad? And how? You know, I remember how Gusto died. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Lenny. I don't know why Dad was alone in the mountain that day. The car crusher was coming. I suppose he had to remove the last fuel tank, but I can't imagine what possessed him to light his torch without first draining the fuel. I don't know how far he got or how many of the iron belts he managed to sever before a spark from the torch made it into the tank. But I know Dad was standing next to the car, his body pressed against the frame, 
when the tank exploded. He was wearing a long sleeve shirt, leather gloves, and welding shield. His face and fingers took the brunt of the blast. The heat from the explosion melted through the shield as if it was a plastic spoon. The lower half of his face liquefied. The fire consumed <laughs> plastic, then skin, then muscle. The same process was repeated with his fingers. The leather gloves were no match to the inferno that passed over through them. Mm. Then tongues of flame licked across his shoulders and chest. When he crawled away from the flame wreckage, I imagine he looked more like a corpse than a living man. It is unfathomable to me that he was able to move, let alone drag himself a quarter mile through the fields over the ditches. If ever a man needed angels, it was that man. Man, the 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 way um I think another part that was interesting is how she illustrates the survival the heavy machinery that they get, right? Like this isn't cheap stuff. You know, even though it's a salvage yard and all that kind of stuff, like like to have the the know-how to go out and find this machinery to be able to bring it in, set it up and use it. Like th- this isn't stuff that poor people do. And I think that's 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 a part of um I I would assume the white experience sometimes I think gets missed that we we assume that because people don't look fancy that they don't have resources. Like these people had a lot of resources. You know. But weren't they poor though? I thought they were I mean I I get what you're saying about the They're gonna the always shooting. struggle because they're modest, but they they're hoarders. They're, they're preppers. They're preppers, and they also, you know, live in the uh, live on a junkyard, a savage yard. Yeah, they, they, they they're scrap. very resourceful. Like they, they never didn't have. Mm. It was never an issue with them kidding afford. They just go make it or take it. Gotcha, dog. She she couldn't find the offices to give him uh, some water to dehydrate him. So she shoved the enema up in him as far as, <laughs> as far as he can go to administer water to his body. How you even know to do that? Dog, that's it. You're right. Education. <laughs> Dog, they was just trying shit. Education, what? yeah. <laughs> Dog, they was just trying shit. I don't know if it's education or not because she didn't know. But mm-hmm. speaking of education... Tyra was 10 years old when her brother came home with his leg on fire mm, and burned. Mm, mm, mm. Oh my gosh. And she, and, she and, and she was like talking about her, her thought process. At first she was thinking about putting him in the freezer, mm-hmm. but then she said, no, he'll suffocate. And then so she started thinking real fast. She was like, well, let me get a bucket of water. I mean, a, a, a trash can full of water and put his leg in it. So she hmm. went and grabbed the trash can. They had like a, oh, a lot of spoiled foods in it. Dumped it out on the front yard, filled it up with water, and then she thought, hmm, it had spoiled food in it, and then his leg could possibly become infected. infected. So she she stopped, and he was about to stick his leg in it, so she pushed it over, went in the house, grabbed a trash bag. This is 10 years old, and her her brain processing this real fast. And so she goes and grabs a trash bag, tell him to stick his leg in the trash bag. And then she put the water hose in the trash bag to provide him some relief. They still didn't take him to the hospital. Man, his leg is on fire. And they still so, didn't take him to the hospital. No, they didn't take him to the hospital. So check this out. So he was up on the um, 
he was up in the mountains with his dad. Uh, they they was uh, they found like a quick way to puncture the bottom of the fuel tanks and drain the tanks out before the car crusher came. So they had to go with all these cars. So they had to uh, take all these cars that was going to go in the car crusher that was coming into town that they had rented for a few days. They had to get all the gas out of the fuel tanks and then come with a torch to remove the fuel tanks. So earlier that day, while he was, you know, while they was draining the fuel tanks, some gasoline had got on his pants. But, you know, in the hot summer sun, it dried up real fast. But it really didn't dry up. It made his uh, pants very flammable and, and combustible. So when he went to strike the uh, torch to remove the tank, woof, he went on fire. And see, this is what I don't understand. Because you saw, you, just like how you said, like how she had all that wherewithal to like, oh, I can't do this with the leg. I got to do this. Like, how you don't know gasoline, like gas so close going to be flammable? Because it like, dried. No. I said she knew. He didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, he was a smart yeah. one. Obviously, yeah. he wanted to drive, so he had to go. You know what I mean? No, no but here's, here's the crazy part about the story, though. They don't really remember how he ended up in the front yard and daddy was somewhere else. So the, the, the story was dad had threw his ass in the truck with his clothes on fire threw the car in neutral and let it roll down <laughs> hill. And I guess he's supposed to be able to get his leg. Yeah, somebody will take care of his damn leg. Let me roll your ass down the hill to your man while I finish mm -hmm. up here while you on fire. <laughs> and you better not give him no damn robot tussle. Right. <laughs> threw him in the truck, put the car in neutral, let the, the truck roll down the hill. I don't know how the truck stopped and how he got out, but dad was still up the hill. Now, the, the legend has it that why he was running on fire and it had been, you know, it had been hot for days and days. It was a lot of uh, dry wheat and grass up there. So they caught on fire. So they said the daddy stayed up there and put out the fire. So it won't start a forest fire with his bare hands. To, to wrap this up, she went through trauma. She started finding herself. The more she got educated, the more she started unlocking the key to a world that she never experienced. Education took her from Idaho all the way overseas to Cambridge. It allowed her to meet friends to explore Italy and how she was explaining the scenery in Italy. Mm -hmm. He was talking about the uh, the electric skies and the thunder clapping, mm -hmm. the old relics. The more she learned about it, she stopped being speechless. She she started becoming more culturally exposed. Mm. Her education took her from Cambridge to Harvard to do her PhD. And there was a time when she was doing a PhD that she was so depressed. She didn't even know she was depressed. She was watching uh, Buffy. And they let her school. ass stay in Ooh. school. Man, listen. <laughs> <laughs> In order for her to stay in school, either she had to show that she was working on it or she had to go to therapy so she can have an excuse on why she was working on it. She was able to finish her Ph.D. Dog, education and being smart and learning, it, it allowed her to go to Harvard and get paid. So think about this, though. She 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 marveled at the experience. I think anybody would. But it's about mm -hmm. learning. And she presented herself as a learner, not as a smart person. I think that's where a lot of gotcha. black kids miss it. 
right? Because we're, we're us expressing our curiosity gets us in trouble a lot of times, you mm-hmm. know. So we're not able to go into the world curious. And she possessed a curiosity that allowed her to get to those schools. It had nothing. Yeah, her test score was the entry. That that was nothing. It was her curiosity is what pushed her through graduate school. So graduate school was an experience for her. It was not a career accomplishment the same way we would look at it. She had nothing else to do. Yeah, she wasn't because her whole outlook wasn't I'm going to school to get an education to get a good job. She was just learning, like you said. So she's in school and they they sitting around class and she's learning all these new concepts. She ain't cleaning out her refrigerator so, though. She ain't washing her hands. No, nah, she ain't cleaning. No, 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 no. Her friend Robin told her about that. Her, yeah, her daddy told her not to piss on her so, hands. <laughs> that's all I need to know. I ain't gonna take no shower just because you, y'all don't like the way it smells. It's supposed to smell like rotten eggs up in this joint. What you mean? It's supposed to smell. Oh, come on, Tara. You too. Ooh, ooh, ooh. ooh. Like PSA would say, gross. Gross. <laughs> Yo. So this was the other part of my, my, my white folks analysis, though, that I picked up on very early in the book. So very early in the book, I said, I wonder how long it's going to be before a nigga pop up on this reading. Her brother is calling her a nigga in Idaho. Well, I just want to assume it ain't no black people. So it just goes and furthers this notion that niggas live in white people's heads. That's James Baldwin. Mm-hmm. And, that's the, and that's the most dangerous place we can live. No, the only the only person that I thought that could have been black in this book, it was a brief line when she said her friend from Zimbabwe. Right. I thought it said her friend brought was something was brought back from Zimbabwe. That's that's what I remember. No, no, I thought she said she said her friend from Zimbabwe. And and that person wouldn't have, you know, I'm assuming, you know, anyway. So so yeah. Oh, the girl that was in a maybe? So, so the fact that her brother was calling her a whore and she had never had sex, didn't know nothing about no, curves. She, she, didn't, she, she didn't know what she, penis no, she was. She didn't even know how, how you make a yeah. baby. She, exactly. she was like, when she they told her that she was pregnant, she was like, she, she thought she was pregnant by touching. Right. She had no idea whether or not she was pregnant. That is, that is, but the fact that he's calling her a nigga and a whore is something about this white man's mentality, man, where he, he just I, I, I think that if white men could have babies, they would they would really want to go to Mars and start their own planet. And I find that they're just jealous because they can't have babies. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just the yeah. when that part surfaced you know I'm like man this is amazing how people can just project concepts on other people and you accept it you don't know any better and you accept these words and these these concepts of other people's realities that's what she's describing I want to read when she had the awakening of oh yeah her family being that's a deep that deep passage yeah, of her family being racist. Yes, or really kind of not really. She didn't really see them as racist. Well, she did. She just thought, she, she just she thought learned. they did racist things, but she still said she can't really see her 
Let me let me go to it because it's like if all this too. was happening and you it wasn't was fighting against it, like who 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 was the people being freed from? Oh, it must have been y'all. It was something like that. She said that I remember. It was like, yeah, that's real dope. You know, if we're talking about oppression and and, and we understand that there's been oppression in the world and you're not the oppressed, then who are you? I couldn't articulate how the name made me feel. Sean had meant it to humiliate me, to lock me in time, into an old idea of myself. But far from fixing me in place, that word transported me. Every time he said it, hey, nigger, raise the boom, or fetch me a level, nigger, I returned to the university, to that auditorium, where I had watched human history unfold and wondered at my place in it. The stories of Emmett Till, Rosa Parks, and Martin Luther King were called to my mind every time Sean shouted, nigger, move to the <laughs> next row. I saw their faces superimposed on every purling Sean welded into place that summer. So by the end of it, I had finally begun to grab something that should have been immediately apparent. Right. That someone had opposed the great march towards equality. Someone had been the person from whom freedom had to be wrestled. That's it. That's it. You know, they was herbalists, yo. And I've, I've always thought that, you know, if you have, you're dealing with wellness issues, you can deal with herbs. But when you need some attention, you got to go to the hospital, Jack. Or your leg oh, burn like off, like or you, you fall like twelve feet off a pallet jack. <laughs> yeah. Yo, they turned the pallet jack. <laughs> oh, your head! Like, can you imagine that? They took a pallet jack and made it a a a, a, um, a lift. Stand <laughs> 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 hey, hold on, damn it! Oh, you know the story, the story when she's You're talking about. I saw it as a dump truck. I couldn't even envision what the hell that shit was. When she's on the back of the truck and the dad is, is, oh, yes. she almost slipped. She got caught. She got pierced. No, she got pierced got, by something. She got pierced <laughs> and the stuff was about to come yeah. down and crush her. Yep. Dad she never said, I'm sorry, or my bad, Nothing. baby, are you okay? You know what they told never. her? About it. The angels was going <laughs> to protect you. That man was unapologetic throughout her the whole story. Let me tell you something, man. After he had that burn, there was no. no stopping daddy. You couldn't convince daddy that God's plan wasn't real. He said, he gonna, he's bragging. He's talking about, remember when Luke burned his leg? Dad said, as if I could forget. That was the Lord's plan. It was a curriculum for your mother so she could be ready for what happened to me. The explosion, the burn, it was the highest of spiritual honors, he said. To be made a living testimony of God's power. Dad held his hands in mangled fingers and told me that his disfiguration had been foreordained. That it was a tender mercy that had bought the souls of God. Mother added her testimony in low reverent whispers. She said (laughs) she could stop a stroke by just adjusting the chakra. That she could halt a heart attack using only energy. That she could cure cancer if people had faith. She herself had breast cancer, she said, and she cured mm-hmm. it. My head snapped up. You have cancer. I said, Mama, how you have breast you cancer? You sure? <laughs> Not no more. I got it. You had it tested? I've cured myself. I didn't need to have it tested, she said. 
I muscle tested it. It was cancer. I cured it. We could have cured grandma too, dad said, but she turned away from Christ. She lacked faith and that's why she's dead. God won't heal the faithless. She sent Tara. She sent Tara some energy yeah. over the phone at one time. Remember that? Yeah, <laughs> you start clicking. <laughs> I was sitting by your sister. Hold on, here it come. Watch this. <laughs> All you get. Are you? <laughs> Yo, it's 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 it's. I, it's not unfamiliar though. That's the first no, one. So it's a common story because you got to think. Tara, it's Tara so was common. One of many families in that community that's probably living like this, and all this abuse and just foolish. We got oh, these God. stories in our community. You know what I mean? Right. Trevor Noah had them stories. It's something about religious zeal, man. Yes, and you can mm-hmm. call it faith, but it's something about it that it just always looked weird and strange to the person on the outside. And I'm okay being an outsider. <laughs> <laughs> Let me try to close it with this. I knew I could not choose it for myself. Everything I worked for all my years of study had been to purchase for myself this one privilege to see and experience more truths than those given to me by my father and to use those truths to construct my own mind. I had come to believe that the ability to evaluate many ideas, many histories, many points of view was at the heart of what it means to self-create. If I yield now, I could lose more than an argument. I could lose custody of my own mind. This was the price I was being asked to pay. I understood that now. What my father wanted to cast for me wasn't a demon. It was me. Thank you for tuning in to the Bruh's Bookshelf. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Remember to subscribe rate us a five star rating and share it with your friends our next book would be Matthew Horace's The Black and the Blue A Cop Reveals Crime Racism and Injustice in America Law Enforcement so go pick up your book and join us for our next book review and again thank you for listening to the Bros Bookshelf